The subject for the evening talk is the nature of doing. It's not at all unusual for us that as human beings that when we're talking and communicating with each other the general tendency is that when we are asked about ourselves we tend to communicate what we do and frequently too when we think of ourselves, our past and where we have been and our involvements it also focuses very much on doing and we've also through the very course and rhythm of our life have had through others and through ourselves expectations with regard to doing and doing implying as well achieving and accomplishing and this framework of mind is one which is very predominant and we often notice too that in sitting and in meditating and in being with ourselves much of the focus of mind when there's movement takes the form of what we were doing what we will be doing or with regard to what we're doing right here, right now, in the present so doing has a, an important, significant place for us it's something which arises with great frequency and it's generally the way that we conceive of our life a life of doing, doing, doing this means that in our relationship to life in our very perceptions of it there's a necessity for us to look on the past, on the present and on the future and when we're looking in this way, particularly on the, uh, on the present if we're not clear in our con connection and communication with the present it will invariably give a distorted view of the way we look at yesterday and the way that we look at tomorrow one of the major themes of one's difficulties and unhappinesses in life as spoken of frequently by the Buddha and, and in more contemporary literature by Marx is alienation and not only social alienation and all that that brings but the alienation which we experience in life from actual life itself and any communication with others and communication with life must include within that the communication and our relationship with the present and so we might on just at the very early in the beginning stage of a retreat ask ourselves the question and it's one of the questions which is always worthwhile asking throughout the whole course of one's life in what today has been my relationship to the present? how 
have I been experiencing the present? In the course of the contact with it, what have I noticed and observed? What's been standing out for me during the course of this day? The single solitary day in our life. Now sometimes, when we've had a day, and in the day there has been obvious and distinct and noticeable difficulties about the actual experience of the day, there comes about within ourselves the wish, the desire to do something about it. To make whatever the experience was, if it's unpleasant, obviously finish by doing something about it to create for ourselves a better experience. And we see, and if we look, that most of our responses to pain and difficulty and through the whole course of our life has been immediacy of experiencing the unsatisfactoriness of it and frequently the desire to do something about it. And we notice that the desire frequently to do something about it may not, in fact, be liberating or freeing us from or enabling us to understand the difficulty in the first place. So sometimes we begin to sense a little inside of ourselves some of the limitations which can be in just wanting to do and doing. Another aspect of doing, very important one if we're ever to touch what find out what being is, is the way that you and I look at and relate to the present. And in looking and, and in relating to the present, frequently we look at it in one particular way. We look at it as a means for something. And so there is a, there is a contact with the here and now, whatever that here and now, and the here and now isn't enough unto itself, it's only useful insofar as it will take one somewhere else. And when we look at ourselves and in the form of our relationship to life, this doing mentality is so strong that we have sub subverted and have manipulated the planet to fit in with what we want to do. We don't look at life, we don't feel sensitive to life, and we've, been, we've brutalized it and have been brutalized by it, so that we can't look at it just for itself, but how it's going to fit in with our own scheme of things.
And the very structure of our mind, the very character and nature that the way our mind has been conditioned is to keep on doing. And it shows itself at every level of life. We might say, in looking at life and the way we manipulate life and the present for our whims, our needs, our profits, our what, whatever, we might say that a more thoughtful person begins to look at this relationship to the, to the present and begins to become increasingly aware of the reactive processes. And we see that Contemporary therapy, spiritual, meaningful, useful spirituality is such that it takes into consideration the way we relate to the present and particularly the kinds of reactions that come against it. Either the present in which is, we are individually predominant or the present which is in relationship to others in some way or other. And so we through self-knowledge, through psychotherapy, through working on our mind stuff or whatever, it contributes in a very real and practical way to reducing some of this reactiveness and manipulation. And when we're not sensitive enough and connected enough, one of the things that we notice ourselves doing, and as Susan was speaking yesterday evening, how easily retaliation and anger and aggression come in towards the present. And you know, last night when uh, Susan was, was talking, President um, Regan, at just approximately just the same time, was uh, speaking on uh, television here in the States. And during the time that, uh, of this, he announced that the uh, US uh, Air Force, he had ordered the US Air Force to uh, bomb the capital of Libya. And it was claimed that it was in order to attack military uh, installations, although the French embassy was one of the number of places that were damaged. And through, and this was decided in retaliation for the terrorist attacks which have been taking place in various parts of the world. So there's the actuality and a real situation of the present and all the pain and the sadnesses of the present. And then there comes about another kind of reaction to it. And reaction breeding on reaction only produces like. And this has gone on with human beings day in, day out, year in, year out, century in, century out, 
and it's like we never want to learn. And so I thought this evening at the end of the uh, last period of the next sitting this evening that we would have a loving-kindness meditation for a few minutes for the unfortunate victims, the Libyans, who are suffering through this attack, and also for the victims of terrorists in different parts of the world, and for all people involved in this, these sadnesses. So now looking at the present and in our relationship to the present, as I mentioned, there can, there can be the forms of reactiveness which come, which, amongst many factors, display a lack of trust, a lack of understanding, a lack of communication, a, a lack of self-knowledge, and the whole varieties of fears and aggressions and insecurities which manipulate the mind and coerce the mind into creating more turmoil in the present. And we see this on a larger level of things in life, and of course, you and I see it in our everyday personal life. <clears throat> and then sometimes, you know, looking in our relationship to life, this doing and all the forms that you and I are involved in, here and elsewhere, come under a certain scrutiny of attention. We begin to step back, and such an important step for a human being to make, to step back and look carefully, sometimes in a more total sense, and sometimes in a more refined and subtle sense, but equally as important in terms of what we are doing with our life. And sometimes the circumstances of life, inwardly and outwardly, as it were, impose this question upon us. And it's one of the most powerful of all and fundamental of all questions, truly existential in its character, dealing with existence. What are we doing with our life? And it's such an uncomfortable question often for us because even when we are doing something useful with it, we often find that the feelings, as people frequently report on, mentioned on retreats, we often feel that we're not doing enough. Whatever the form of activity may be. And this area of life, of looking at what we're doing with our life, often invites for us all sorts of images and ideals and expectations in ourselves of what we should be doing or could be doing or ought to be doing or whatever. And no matter how many of these ideals and expectations about what we are, rather what we should be and where we should be, it never 
contributes to understanding. It never is such that it would really enable us to understand life through the doing process. And so we might say to ourselves, what am I doing with my life? And we might suddenly, as it were, take everything up as a number of you, a number of us have done at times in our life, and dropped everything or made a major kind of shift in our life from what we were doing to something which feels more nourishing and fulfilling and uh, more sane or whatever. But still, we are moving and shifting from one doing mode to another doing mode. And it may feel, and I don't want to undermine it or dismiss it in any way, but I am, um, <laughs> it may feel better in the shift which has taken place from the former doing to the present doing, and that shift may produce and bring out better feelings inside of oneself, and one may noticeably see that the doing itself contributes to the welfare of others, perhaps, in some way or other, or whatever. But still, it's a movement from one old form to a new form. And there is something about doing, which though is an essential human factor, indispensable in life because it embraces the whole realm of activities, which is, I would say, inherently limiting. So no matter what mode we shift among, we're still in a particular mode. Whether you're going from the unhealthy to the healthy, going from the so-called bad to the so-called what's good to do. But it's something, it seems to me, something which is so, almost one might say, ingrained, there hardly seems to be an alternative to it. And perhaps it's just, maybe at times, maybe in another way that we begin to touch that perhaps understanding, true understanding about life, not from a personal um, self-interested doer's point of view has to come through some other kind of way in which there are intimations taking place. And so I feel it once again comes back to the relationship with the present. Life is here, this is what we have, this is what we have to work with, this is what we have to live with and be with and live among moment to moment throughout the course of our life. So perhaps the key to the understanding is in our relationship to here and now.
in this connecting with the present, we might say that the more subtle mode of connection with it is one in which we look at the present and we may see and recognize through the forms and through the methods and through the techniques that we are using that there's a certain restriction which is taking place. Each time we give care and attention to breathing or to walking or whatever, we're bringing in a certain kind of focus in such a way which temporarily excludes things in order to highlight something in the present. And in that relationship, work sitting, you spend the day or some of the day sitting and working with the breathing, we may say to ourselves, well, I've been working with the breathing, I've been doing it more times than I want to during the rhythm of the, um, of the day. And in working with the breathing, I have been experiencing this, whatever it might be. And if there's a reasonable, um, what, what is Buddhism is called, right attitude of mind, in that right attitude of mind, on the one side we might say, um, possibly, I'm experiencing a little bit more relaxation, experience a little bit more calmness, a little bit more feeling of settle, settling in, a little bit more steadiness, and there's an attitude of mind which expresses that and appreciates that. Or what may be arising may be a lot of stuff and emotion and pressure and tension and things coming out or whatever, and in that attitude of mind one says, well, this is happening it's obviously necessary for this to be happening. I'm not doing anything deliberately to induce it or create it. And therefore there's some kind of release going on in my mind, in my body, in my emotions. And, and therefore it's necessary and it's okay. And one might say with, with that, therefore one looks again at the present in the form of the breathing as a means, important now, as a means to help one see and understand what's happening to oneself through this reasonably neutral activity of being with the breathing which is a factor in the present. And therefore we might say that the form, that means the meditation form, or the walking form of contact with the ground, whatever, is such that it's a useful way to help learn and understand about oneself. And therefore, as a means, it's practical and reasonably effective. And some of us, if I may say like myself, who have been involved in... Uh, um, um, Meditation with form since the late 60s and has been a feature of uh, my life still. I feel as much, if I may say, energy and interest and enthusiasm for meditation practice and with, with form and 
the breathing and there's still that sense there that just as it was 5, 10, 15 years ago and more that it's a very useful, valuable practice. And so one might say that in our relationship to, to life that there is still the seeing of the present in the form of the in-breath and out-breath as a means for clarity, calmness, self-knowledge, insight, whatever. But supposing we simply regarded what we see and what we learn about ourselves as a kind of side benefit, helping us to be clear a little bit more about the movements of our mind to the greater or the lesser degree. And see that though that may be of primary importance for us, or it seems to be that perhaps being with the breathing has another significance altogether. Not connected with calmness, relaxation. Not connected with learning about the patterns and conditionings of our mind. Now in that, in that bare connection with, with the breathing, one of the things which emerges out of that, when everything is, is rather stripped away, is, there, and it's again important, less sense of doing it. And this reduction inside of oneself of doing it, and rather it's just breathing in and breathing out, and, one, and there is simply a bare attention, a bare awareness of it, means that the sense of being begins to come in. And it's this sense of being being here and now, this sense of being is of such an order in life that it influences and affects all doings and sadly and unfortunately our preoccupation with doing in life, whatever form it takes, has blinded us to the significance of what being is. And we have tried socially, personally, collectively, doing, 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 doing. We see where it's leading, which isn't anywhere. And perhaps we've, as it were, got to get, as I say, stand back from it all not give such value on doing, either to others or to oneself, and find out a little bit what being is, and what the relationship of being is to doing.
we see that in our looking and in our observation of life, either in useful ways or in non-useful ways, we use the present. We, we connect with the present, we do something about the present to make it different from what it is. If we're reasonably wise and caring and loving people, what we do about the present is to improve in some way the quality of it. Now sometimes, for people, that relationship comes from having stopped, which means being, and seen, and out of that comes a doing which we would describe as skillful. And that means that between the being and the doing, there's a certain kind of feeling which arises, a caring feeling or a sensitive feeling, something deep inside which has a feeling quality to it. But what easily happens is even when one is doing skillful things, useful things, beneficial, helpful things, through the very momentum of doing, 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 in time, the person loses touch with the sense of being, and one is just doing, mechanically, habitually, repetitively, and it's just work. The sense of love, the sense of service, the sense of giving, sharing, all of that is forgotten. It's just the doing of it. Even in the most wholesome, skillful activities. So that there has come about a disconnection, as Marx said, that there's an alienation which takes place, and in that alienation, one loses the opportunity, the precious opportunity, to see and understand life as it is. Which means, uncorrupted by our tendency of mind to change the world to a better or worse situation than it's in. And thus, in spirituality, the doing of unhealthy things and the doing of good things in themselves don't reveal the nature of life. Therefore, when, when speaking of going beyond doing good as much as doing the unhealthy, it's in reference to being. A being which is pervasive. And sometimes we, in our relationship to life, and there's a, there's a sense, an intimacy, an uh, indicator of, of just being, 
And sometimes within that, energy can flow and flow more easily and freely, and as I mentioned, influence and have its impact on what we do. But certainly this sense of being must be established. And the establishing of it cannot come about by just good thinking and nice ideas and how pleasant it would be. It comes about through being here and now. And it rather connects you know, with what we describe ourselves as human beings. Not human havings and human doings, it's human beings. In being, it's not the many aspects of this, but in just being, there's not so much a certainly less of a preoccupation with doing, but in that there's also more expansiveness. And being and expansiveness harmonise together. When we're doing, it's restricted. And in being, there's much more opening and a continuum of opening which can take place through being. And so in our connection, in our relationship to life, what I've noticed and observed is, and this was um, in, um, in the monastic life particularly noticeable, that the sense of openness and expansiveness and, and being in the world can truly be present and the practices and awarenesses and understanding contribute to that in a real way. But it seems too rather essential for human beings that unless there is this flow out from being into doing, and there's a har- unless there's a harmony and integration between these two, what well, I have observed that just being, there's a, a kind of, almost I might say, dulling factor which can take place. And that being preoccupied with doing is, an, to me, an obvious imbalance and distortion in life. But if the mind swings too far over to being and stays with being as a kind of maximum state. It loses sight of the the relationship to life. No matter how open and expansive it might be, and as I say, a characteristic of it is a kind of dulling factor. The brightness can diminish. And so in this relationship to life and the inquiry into being and doing, generally speaking, it's being that we're out of touch with. 
And when we're in touch with it, it affects feelings, because they always will remain alive and, and sensitive and, and bright. It affects thoughts, because feelings are connected with thoughts, affecting speech, affecting our way of living. That flows out from being into doing into the world. When that flow out is concerned with suffering, which is presenting itself, that flow is called compassion. When that flow out is, is concerned with life and connection with life and all the responses that can come, it's called love, it's called affection. When that flow is through that flow, there's the awareness of life and the extraordinariness of life, it shows itself as beauty. And, and out of oneself comes the joy. So all that a human being acknowledges to be, as it were, the richest and most precious comes not from doing, it comes from the outflow of being. What one gets from doing, doing is pleasures and pains. And so in our beingness, there is a, a receptivity to life. There's being touched by. Because there's that openness and that unrestrictedness which allows us to be touched by. And when we're touched by life's suffering, when being is present, we respond to it. There's no choice about it. It's an organic function of being. When we are touched by, by the, the beauties of the spring day and of the, the, the buds coming out of the ends of the branches and, and the sun touching, touching the ground, it touch, the very touch of it brings joy out. And not something which is cultivated or developed or have to be worked with or, what, or whatever in that way. It's out of that receptivity, out of one's being. And therefore inquiry and spiritual inquiry into life is looking at the many multifaced aspects of being and doing. And not being so preoccupied with one that it denies or reduces the significance of the other. And if we can find that balance and look with these into these areas and see the mutual relationship of these two, then comprehension and understanding comes in countless ways. Because all of life is within the modes of being and doing. There's nothing outside of those modes. And then we understand that the way we use the present through doing, 
And we understand too, we see clearly too what it means not to be using the present in any way at all. Not in any way at all. And just let it shine as it is. Reveal itself as it is. And out of that is totality. Out of that, in that, is this vastness in which being and doing disintegrate as having any differences. May all beings see into life. May all beings see into the nature of things. May all beings know that vastness.